Hello and welcome to Mean Mommy Kink Podcast. And you Hi. are here. Hey, guess who your favorite friends are? It is Jackie Riot and Miss Lola Sunshine. Yes, your favorite kinksters ever on earth. Here we we've are. decided. Yes. And we just paused our conversation talking about Gucci just for you all so we could record this podcast. <laughs> Every conversation we have is talking about Coochie. So honestly, no. I want to say it's like 50% coochie, 50% food. That's true. And I do throw some booty in there just because. Well, I mean, that's coochie to me is like a an all-encompassing term. That's so funny you say that because when I was growing up, a uh, fun story about a uh, purity culture, we, w- we didn't use any of the terms for bodies. So everything was a butt butt. Oh, so wow. Like, it was like, did you clean your butt butt? And you didn't really know That's... which butt butt it was. You just sort of gestured <laughs> vaguely at a butt like butt. Like how everyone in Georgia calls all soda Coke. <laughs> yes, yes. So growing up, my mom called everything a butt butt. And wow. I did not hear like the word vagina until health class. Wow. Yeah. So wow. if you wonder why I'm a pervert, it's because I was repressed. Don't repress your children. Or they turn end up with us. Yeah. yeah. They, they <laughs> all come story. to see us. All come to see us. Wow. Oh, okay. Lord. Well, on that incredibly odd start. But, um, but, yeah, that's for everybody. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we are going to get started. Um, our business this month is someone that I've personally been friends with for, you know, over 20 years, which is kind of cool. Um, our business spotlight this month is House of Bias. Um, it is custom-made latex, and not just latex garments, but also latex bondage. Vaughn um, from House of Bias specializes in creating latex from scratch. And if you happen to be in the Chicago area, she taught an amazing latex making class for the Chicago Leather Dyke Picnic at WTNB, um, and literally taught us how to make latex items we made latex collars together like from scratch which was that's amazing amazing yeah that's pretty cool so amazing um and what i learned that day is that i am much better like as a patron of latex makers than a latex maker myself yeah you know i it's finicky the, it looks simple but it's really hard it is you know it's like indian food if you put in the time and work you can learn how to make it and it'll be Mm -hmm. delicious or you can pay someone that knows what they're doing Uh, amen i agree (laughs) that is a great comparison yes because it's like oh indian food i can cook rice i can cook beans and it's like no they and then you hit then you hit the spices and you're like oh fuck i don't actually know what i'm doing here at all yeah exactly so if you are like me and do not have enough time to properly learn how to make latex you can visit house of bias on instagram it's exactly how it sounds house h-o-u-s-e of o-v bias b I-A-S, all one word. Um, the shop was down for a couple years and it's just kind of making a comeback because there's not a website just yet, but very responsive to DMs on House of Bias um, and can literally make just about anything out of latex and heavy rubber. I've seen some incredible like full body bondage gear, um, suspension things, which is actually quite hard to do in rubber. Um, and then of course, dresses, corsets, skirts, bras, really cute fetish wear um also Vaughn is literally a fetish model so you're welcome in advance that you get to look at her (laughs) yeah not a problem I will definitely right yeah yeah and that is a really great segue into our topic actually someone being a fetish model um what is our topic this month our topic is voyeurs and performers 
So yes. warriors and performers. We're going to talk about the folks who like to watch and the folks who like to be watched. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really an interesting topic right now because unlike when I was a baby kingster and the internet was barely internetting, um, you can be a warrior both in person and online. Yeah. There are people who have like whole kink influencer situations happening, um, but you hardly ever see them in real life. And there are people that are the exact opposite and in real life, like that is the community whole, but you don't really see them online. And then there's people of course that do both. So um, yes. really interesting topic. And I really have been like interested in how kink has like moved online, especially since we're illegal in so many places and we keep mm -hmm. getting booted offline. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, weird watching this whole thing progress and and I think as we get into this conversation we should make a distinction that while many of the people we talk about are sex workers kink has this wonderful wide community of people who are not necessarily getting paid for this but they still want right. to perform or they still want to watch so it's a weird realm because you'll have folks who are professionally doing this and folks who are just advent hobbyists <laughs> who are doing and, this and some that are, are both because you know a great example is our business spotlight Vaughn is a professional professional mm -hmm. fetish model um and other things but also is a true latex fetishist and you know makes things to wear just to have so you know there are folks that like Vaughn would show up to a movie in latex you know what I mean like, yeah it's... yeah absolutely <laughs> so yeah, so it's and it's interesting because that's also kind of another thing that the internet has kind of brought more together. There used to be much more of a divide between people that were professional fetish models that were sex workers, um, that were those, you know, people that did like bondage art, you know, mm -hmm. photography, that kind of thing. It used to be a much more big divide, but now the internet's making that really accessible and like people have actually are able to like somewhat get to know folks. Um in a curated way, of course, uh, but it's making it a lot more kind of normalized, which I actually kind of love because, of course, we the more people get to know sex workers, the more they realize they're just people and yeah. that you don't have to like panic and freak out if someone you know is a sex worker and, you know, you start thinking, oh, that's my friend so-and-so from online. Of course, they deserve rights. It, it humanizes people, Absolutely. Um, which is something the internet's actually great at um, for all of its flaws. Social media is great at humanizing people that are different than ourselves. So, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I think that um, sex work has always been one of those industries where it's easy to get in, so to speak, quote, because you can just start offering services. But then when you talk about the industry of it, that can be a little harder to navigate. And so the internet has made that accessible and it's made sex work something that folks can do without having to be face to face. You know, if you want to be an ex mm -hmm. exhibitionist, but you don't necessarily want to do it in public, you can do it on the internet and have some level of anonymity, but then we'll talk about some of the pros and cons of that as we get later into this. But, you know, mm -hmm. so, so it is really a wonderful tool, even though it is currently being censored constantly. So, and it, and it seems like the folks who can get away with a little more usually are light, Playboy White. bunny looking model. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They're, you know, super Kardashians. Yeah. yeah. Like you have to be a yeah. specific look to even think about mm -hmm. if you, if you Google bikini, bikini ladies online, what shows up, but then if they're you're a all fat the same person, size, 
Right. Yeah. If you're fat in a bikini, your picture's getting taken down. You know, if you're black in a bikini, a lot of times you're going to get taken down. If you're you know? queer in a bikini, like visibly queer, mm-hmm. not going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's so. a really interesting world of what kind of performance is allowed to even be shown versus mm-hmm. who wants to show. And I think that's interesting when you talk about like um, voyeurs in the real world and, and exhibitionists mm-hmm. in the real world. It's really everyone, all types, lots of people want to be seen and want to see and maybe online we think there's a stereotype of who wants to show it like an only fans model so right yeah but you know and i think that 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 can be one of the detriments to only doing kink online for a long time before you come out to the rest of the world especially if you're kind of hanging out in the more pan realm of kink online um because of course the queer world always has had a bunch of different bodies and a bunch of different types of looking people um although it's not perfect but folks that are coming like i've literally been at a play party where somebody like whispered at me like i thought everyone would be hotter and i was like are you new like what is that like like there's so much wrong with what you've just said like literally shut up like i literally just looked like i was like i don't know you and just walked away (laughs) i was like i can't i don't have enough time to explain why you were just so dumb and i can't deal with you right now um but yeah like it it really makes you have this weird set of expectations that you're going to see a bunch of like mainstream porn actresses every single time you go out to something. Um, and unless you're going to, again, a very curated event, like a fetish ball that has hired very specific performers, you're going to get what you're going to get when you are mm. dealing with public play spaces, which is one of the things I love about them, actually. Yeah, um, I agree. You're going to see whoever is naked today mm-hmm. and you're going to either enjoy it or look somewhere else because it's a public place which is great i want to say that also specifically for fat people i think a lot of times folks think like they're not desirable or whatever these stereotypes are but every time i go to a queer party or a dyke party it's usually some fat bitch getting fucked and happy as hell like no problem she's like the most popular person there like (laughs) literally the last party i threw there was like a big pile of like queer fat people having like a whole little orgy moment and it was so exciting absolutely and i think folks they can't necessarily conceptualize that on the internet unless it's in a really specific porn hubby kind of way mm-hmm. but in the reality of folks who are out here getting it in all types of people are getting it in i mean i've seen yeah disabled folks all the time the folks who can you know get to the party or who can assess the part access the parties the folks who do show up are lots of different folks so mm-hmm. it's just a really also interesting lots mix. of different types of bodies yes. lots of different um just trans people existing and not in like a mm-hmm. weird fetishy sort of way like having the kind of play they want to have in front of people which is kind of great as well Absolutely. so First of all, if you've never been to a queer queer play party, buckle up. You're going to see a bunch of different types of people, and it's going to be magical and great. Um, And feel free to take off your clothes if the venue allows it, because everyone, they say, like, you can fuck there. They mean everyone, not just, like, people that look a certain way. Yes, Um, absolutely. So there's that. Um, But also, like, kind of getting to know people that are more um, exhibitionist-minded has been, like, really wild to me, because I'm one of those kinksters that, like, Yes, I'm in a lot of places, but like I'm really not an exhibitionist. I just Mm -hmm. happen to play in public places and don't mind if people are also there. Um, But like, which is different, and we should explain it is different. It's very so different. different. It's so different. Like I literally, when I get done with an intense scene, I will look up and be genuinely surprised there are people in the room because I've forgotten that they're there. That's not like a focus of mine, Mm -hmm. and. 
to me, it would pull my focus and be negative if I were focusing on the fact that I were being watched. But to an exhibitionist, that's the point. And yeah. they're really excited that they're on display for all these people what, getting to watch all the stuff that they're doing or whatever. So, you know, it's been really kind of interesting for me to get to know multiple exhibitionists a little yeah. better and like hear their motivations and hear how happy it makes them to know that like people are watching. Like, it's really interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I definitely have my exhibitionist moments or a phase. Yes, you I've, do. I've definitely gone through several cycles. Sometimes I'm like, perceive me. And other times I'm like, never look at me again. So I sort of take each play party. I sort of decide before I get in whether I'm engaging with everyone or if I'm mostly engaging with myself, you know? Yes, um, that's exactly it. Yeah, exactly it. Yeah, like I'll engage with people in a social way. Obviously, it's a party, mm -hmm. but like whether I'm engaging with everyone in my scene space or everyone in my sex space versus whether like you happen to be there, you're welcome, is a little bit different. Um, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Like making yeah. other people intentionally part of your scene, not necessarily in a way that like physically drags them into your scene, but like the energy is very different when you're like, yeah, look at me, I'm getting it. You all are watching me. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Versus like. I'm fucking someone real hard. There are people around me because it's a play party, you yeah. know, like I was going to say, it's not to say that other people's energy isn't exciting to me and fun. I love this sexual energy and the kink energy of a play party. I just am not. It's not your focus. Exactly. Yeah. It just adds see, to the energy. If it's a focus, it, it really has to be certain types of events. I think that's important. Even for a kink party, if I'm going to be an exhibitionist, I would pick a, a certain way to do it. Like maybe I'm going mm -hmm. to a national conference or maybe I picked a play party where I know enough people there that I know they'd be willing to engage. I probably, or I might even pick a place where I don't know anyone. I think when I come in as an exhibitionist and I'm really just trying to assess the space to decide how out there I want to be with the folks, it really does matter the crowd. Um, so mm -hmm. I judge things like, do I feel safe around the people here? Do I know anyone here? I look at the ratio of genders because me personally, that's one of my factors of whether or not I'm going to totally make myself exposed. And I say this as someone who's been an exhibitionist at swinger parties where it was predominantly masculine men, you know, so I've had to learn how to assess myself and my safety in lots of different rooms, being an mm -hmm. exhibitionist. Right. Yeah. And, I put myself in things that I know I can get myself out of. That's one of the first things. There's a there's a type of exhibitionist who creates an environment that's dangerous for themselves. And that's yeah. a form of self-harm, if we're being honest. Like, mm -hmm. um, I knew a person who used to go to, like, um, really trashy bars on the wrong side of town. And they would, you know, cross-dress because they wanted to see if they could, you know, cause a scene or something, right? And in that yeah. sense, I'm like, you're not you're not trying to understand your gender. You're not choosing places to go to be your better self. You're going somewhere you're to not, antagonize people in the Well, and you're not even like experiencing your kink in a safe and positive way. Exactly. Um, exactly. It's like the, it's the, it's like the folks that put up the ads that are like, I'm cross-dressed in a hotel room. Here's the room number. Any man could come by. It's like trend. Are you going to be okay? Yeah. <laughs> And there are folks doing that. We got to be honest. Exhibitionists does have a wide range of folks who are putting themselves in lots of situations. No, no. And so in general, <laughs> I'm just saying I don't put myself in anything I can't get myself out of. So like a, a party that has DMs and people I know, 
um even the the anonymous party that i went to i still knew the people who hosted it i just didn't know mm -hmm. everyone at the party right so don't put yourself in a situation you can't get yourself out of i'm not trying to victim blame or anything anyone but it's going to be really hard to explain that when you're looking for help later like oh i i gave some weirdo my yeah. hotel room and now he, they kidnapped me or something, you know? Yeah, it's, you know, anytime you have to deal with anything supporting victims of horrible things, like, you know, that it's going to be difficult to explain kink in general, let alone kink that is seen as risky and, you know, all the things. So, yeah, it just give people less opportunity to be terrible is really what it's about. Experience and, and your kink, but like in a safe, healthy, happy way. There's, there's got to be a checks and balance thing that you do somehow. So if you're really going to flash, run through some weird place, make sure you can get out of there safely and quickly. Don't stay long or, you know, somebody's watching or like you have to have some sort of backup because things can go wrong um, with exhibitionist stuff. Just well, to be I, really and I also think that like there's a difference between someone that's an exhibitionist in public for no type of reason in front of people that didn't consent. Right. And somebody that is an exhibitionist in a play party, in a kink space, at a fetish ball, whatever. Even, like I said, the person in the hotel room, the people coming to that hotel room consented to come to that hotel room. Like, there's got to be some level of consent for exhibitionism yeah. to work properly. Otherwise, you're just a creep running around naked in a park or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and if there's I people around you, they need to be consenting. If there's nobody around, like, if there's nobody around you, if you're in the middle of the woods, then go for it. But if there's people around you, like, hello, I myself am a kinkster and I don't want to see your asshole as I'm walking into the grocery store. Yeah, and I'm going to take it a step further. Like, even if I'm at a kink party, let's say you and your mistress are doing some cock and ball scene and you want to walk around and have everybody laugh at your dick or whatever. I'm just giving a scenario that maybe not everybody would want to join in with, right? I right. feel like that's in, the other thing. In that scene, that's the kind of thing where whoever's the top should know in advance maybe who they're going to talk to or know the type of person that would be okay with that. Because even if I love cock and ball torture, I probably don't want you to come over to me and go, look at my little pee-pee. Ooh, my mistress <laughs> says my pee-pee oh is God. so tiny. You know, I don't want it. I like, no. Who are you? <laughs> Literally, who are you? Well, that, and that's another case where like, you can just ask for blanket consent and let people come to you. You can say, hey, exactly. I've got this submissive that wants you to laugh at his dick. And then who wants to come over here and wait for people to get up that opt into your scene, not the other way around. Absolutely. And that's what I was just about to say. A scene is an opt in. It's not a somebody puts you into it. So if your exhibitionism is I'm going to force other people to look at this, you're putting them in your scene. That's not cool. But if your exhibitionist is I have a sign that says come over and laugh at me, mm -hmm. then other people who want to join can come over and laugh at you and they're not required to or pressured to It's an option that they have available. Exactly. Yeah. And also, you know, there's lots of exhibitionists that love to perform literally. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm about to head next weekend to Folsom Street Fair, and there will be literally stages of people that are doing bondage for the whole crowd or that yep. are doing impact scenes for the whole crowd. There will also be people in the actual crowd playing, knowing that so many people can see them. Yes. And that's the turn on. But again, Folsom is an opt in. If you walk into that fair, you yes. are aware that you will be seeing kink all around you. That is the point of it. So don't act shocked if someone's bare-assed and getting spanked in the middle of Folsom Street Fair because you're in Folsom Street Fair. Whereas if you were at, you know, 
to Mexican Independence Day, that would be wildly inappropriate. Absolutely, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. That was last weekend. Don't do that. Don't bring that mess down there. You won't make it home. People's kids are at that. Don't do that. So (laughs) it's true. And that's a really good distinction. Opt in versus being forced in, right? It shouldn't feel Mm -hmm. like the exhibitionist is catcalling you like, hey, hey, come spank me. Come spank me. Like that's not the energy they should be giving you. It should be, you know, ooh, there's a bottom here. If you want to come spank them, you can come over here and enjoy this. And then mm-hmm. you're being a- allowed to join in. Or it's like, I'm performing on this stage. You can all watch me, but you can't touch me. That's a lot of exhibitionists I know. That's true. A lot of them will set up a perimeter or, perimeter or something. Or uh, if, if they're slinging a whip, that's pretty much means don't touch me. I don't know how many times I've seen people get hit with a stray whip. And I'm like, if yeah. you're close enough for the whip to hit you, then you were too fucking you're close. Too to fucking the scene. close. This leads us into voyeurs, and voyeurs are great people. I firmly believe that, like, the kink scene runs on voyeurism. I myself am definitely a voyeur, and Me I will too. happily, I will happily creep in the corner and watch you do nasty shit all night. Mm-hmm. But you know, the important thing is corner. I'm not going to be like up in your shit. Even if Mm -hmm. I really know you, if I know you like extremely well, I'm pretty much never going to be all the way up in your shit because I wasn't invited and that might break whatever scene you're doing. And unless I was specifically invited, I'm not going to come up and get into your shit. Um, There are some people I know, especially in the queer scene that have more like loose boundaries about that with their friends. Mm -hmm. But again, these are their friends. These are people that they know. Um, It's a very different situation to like a rando coming up to you in the middle of your scene and starting to talk to you, which has happened to me in many occasions. And it's always incredibly jarring. Absolutely. Um, Even if I were trying to play to an audience, it would still be incredibly jarring because who are you? I'm trying to concentrate on something. Why are you in my shit? Like, what? (laughs) <laughs> no, I like understand. Usually, usually those folks are told to back up in not a polite way like there was one time that I yelled at someone are you fucking in my clean area because they walked into a blood scene to ask me about it and I'm like are you insane like you were literally standing get out of my fucking tarp what are you doing yeah. like, <laughs> so like so yeah like if you're a voyeur we love that for you but please keep a boundary please keep a safe distance back so that you're not in the backswing of somebody so that you're not in the eye line of somebody because that's mm-hmm. also really distracting mm-hmm. so that you're not like freakishly close like I shouldn't be able to smell you I shouldn't be able to really hear you talking you shouldn't be talking at all if you're that close to a scene yeah um there are great ways that you can like definitely watch hot shit without involving yourself and it's often really fun for people to look up and see like oh my friend Zonta is watching me or oh that hot person's watching me but it would be a very different story if those people like leaned in and said something absolutely and I I tend to have levels of this myself specifically like if I go to a kink party I know people are going to watch me like it's most likely going to happen unless I go to a private room so mm-hmm. if I'm at a kink party anyone can watch I don't even care generally how close you are because I'm one of those people where I set a perimeter around how far we're going to be. And if you come in my perimeter, I will find a way to hit you with whatever I'm playing with. Literally that. That is my, if I'm flinging a flogger, bitch, you're going to get hit with a flogger. I've had people say, ouch. And I go, oh, you're too close to me because this flogger is not 10 feet tall. So what the fuck are you doing? I've done that as well. I have Mm -hmm. done that as well. I've come dangerously close to swiping someone because they were just way too close, not because I was trying to hit them, but I wasn't, 
I wasn't moving either. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you chose to stand too close and I made eye contact with you and gave you a look like back up and then you still didn't. So now you get what you get. Absolutely. So the perimeter is my first line of defense and I definitely recommend other tops start to do that with like putting your bag somewhere that way if they go past your bag, you know, they're too fucking close to you or whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I have like, usually me and my bottom have pre-negotiated who's allowed to be involved in this scene. It's either like, yep. it's just me and you or me, you and your homegirl, or me, you and anyone who looks cute. We've already established that. So now that I know in advance, if it's me and anyone that I think is cute, I, you know, we can be playing. I always sort of scan the audience when I'm the top because I do feel people's energy, even if not even trying to be woo woo. Like I feel your body heat if you're too fucking close to me. Right. So Mm -hmm. I, I do look around just because I also like, just want to know who the fuck is around. Um, Some tops don't do that. Some tops are very much like, I'm going to focus on you and only you, but I like to know who the fuck is around just because I'm nosy like that. Like what the fuck's going on? I look and see who's around because again, to me, being a top and a dominant is about holding space and I can't hold space if I don't know who, who the fuck's in my space. Absolutely. Um, absolutely so So, yeah so after the looking around piece let's say i see one of the cuties or one of their friends or whatever and i have a scene where i know they would they wouldn't mind an extra hand then usually i will say hey so i'll pick one person hey so and so do you want to either watch or play and so when i invite them to watch at that point i feel like that's a more um personal intimate type of watch like they can Mm -hmm. pull up a chair they may be able to touch you depending on what we've agreed on. Like that watch is like, you are now a part of the scene to the degree that you're an audience member. You may not be participating. And that's also really magical. Like some of my favorite scenes have been um, when people crawl inside a St. Andrew's cross so that they are kind of like in your scene as support, but they're not necessarily doing anything. They're not even holding up the bottom. The cross is holding up the bottom, but they're, they're right there and their energy is part of your scene. That is so lovely when you can have something like that happen. Um, And of course it's something that you've either pre-negotiated or that you know those people very well and decided you and the bottom that that's okay to do. Um, It's a great scene for couples and friends and, you know, it's such Mm -hmm. a great, like, I have a friend and we came to this play party together and maybe I don't want to fuck my friend, but my friend would be a person who would care about me enough to hold me while something's happening. Like, Mm -hmm. very connective. I totally agree. I've had some amazing scenes just by having an audience member who was able to be connected somehow to the scene. Yes. Um, And then it's like, okay, if they're the kind of person, maybe we'll co-top so then I can invite you in. Maybe you get to get a knife or whatever we're doing, you know, that's a different kind of interactive. But I think the main thing to remember is unless you have literally been invited in, your energy should not be a factor at all. And so when I'm playing and I hear someone say, oh, you should grab her hair or, oh, it'd be nice if she did this. Like I've had people try to make little, like they're talking to their friend but they have a commentary on what the fuck I need to be doing right now. I would times, give them the ugliest fucking look. Bitch, and if you think they couldn't I didn't figure that if they you, couldn't figure out that that meant go away, then there would be words after that. 
like a long, a long time ago fuck? when I used to play in like more co-ed scenes, like in more co-ed spaces, and I would bring my queer partner, dudes would like stare, stare. I told you this story once. I might even have said like, it on the podcast. I didn't blame my, dudes, but often it is dudes. It's so I'm sorry, y'all. It's a lot of times it's dudes. I will say sometimes it's also like the queer person who was just so awkward, they've never like been there before. So they just yeah. don't have any like awareness of how close they are to everyone or how loud they're whispering their little comments they just are not being mm-hmm. self-aware so i'll give it to the queers too sometimes y'all are a mess but i'll say like when i was in the, the co-ed spaces it was much much worse I, I could literally be inside someone and then someone would be like so what you doing or just like <laughs> fuck her harder and i'm like sir who are you what the hell yeah no it would yeah often but yeah often my favorite one was i think i told this story but my favorite one was when i was literally um fucking my girlfriend in the ass with my foot and i had my foot in her ass and some dudes came up and sat next to me and was like so uh does she have to do whatever you say wow <laughs> i'm like my sir, foot is sir, in my foot ass. isn't an asshole can you leave please I'm busy right now. Like, I just remember looking at him because I'm pumping her like fucking brakes. And I look at him. (laughs) Stop it. I look at him like, what? And I remember even she turned to look at like, we both looked at him like, huh? Like, it was just the most surreal. So yeah, bad voyeurs can ruin the entire event for everyone. A bad voyeur can fuck up a whole party. So DMs, party hosts, you have to teach people how to watch a scene without inserting themselves because if they don't learn that simple boundary, then like the magic of the play party is broken. And now I'm just in a room with a weirdo who's watching me <laughs> fuck my girlfriend, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> uh, and not only that, but like a lot of like a lot of DMing is directing traffic literally. Like it's really rare that there's some sort of emergency. Thank God I'm knocking on wood as I say this. But um a lot of it's directing traffic. The last play party that I hosted, we had somebody doing single tails and people just did not seem to realize how much of a backswing those bad boys had. And mm. they were like straight up about to lose an eye. And I was just like, a common sense ain't so common. Let me stand here and be the, you know, crossing guard for the school to make sure no one mm. walks into these single tails because y'all don't seem to see them somehow, like, or hear yeah. them. I don't understand. Like, and I get it. Like, if you haven't been doing King for very long, you don't like naturally know the backswing of things, but like, yeah, I had to like stand there and be like, hey, it's cool that you want to watch this or you want to walk behind this scene, but you've got to like give much more of space to this. You can't yeah, be any y'all closer. Need some traffic cones or something because golly geez, like what? No, I just fuck? stood there literally directing traffic until the scene was done because otherwise somebody would have gotten hit, not because there wasn't even a space, it just because people weren't paying attention. So, mm. you know, it's it's one of those things. But yeah, I've had weird situations with lawyers. I've had people that were upset about my scene and like yeah we're watching it but like being increasingly upset yeah i've had that one mm-hmm. and i'm just like again everyone out there i want to encourage you if you're in a public play space and you see something you don't like you don't have to look at it you can look somewhere else do you know how every time somebody gets their dick sucked in a public dungeon i find something to, else to do literally that i don't need to be involved with your weird like there was one scene that i will absolutely describe because i'm still disgusted by this to this day (laughs) 
by this fucking bullshit. This is also back when I used to hang out more in the hat pan scene. There was a Mr. Rope guy whose name I can't even remember. Mm. Um, Master, We'll call him Master Greg because he's our rope guy generally. Mm. <laughs> so, so Master Greg had rigged somebody up in suspension. Took a long time doing it. Got her all up there upside down. Legs spread. Ropey rope everywhere. And then stuck a naked magic wand right into her naked coochie that mm. came out of his toy bag. So you know it wasn't hers. And you know he's used it on a bunch of other people. Mm. nary a barrier on that magic wand and i just walked away i was like not it not today satan i i'm not stopping the scene but i also don't want to watch this (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've seen a lot of those i've seen a lot of i'm gonna tie you up for 45 minutes and stick my dirty fingernail hand up inside you and i'm just like oh (laughs) no type of glove yeah so Mm -hmm. like i don't like to watch things that i think are going gross gross to me that to me that is gross and you know if that's not gross to you you know good luck but i don't particularly it's it to me it's a turn off so i was just like end scene but again i had the option to just walk my ass into the social area and not watch that scene yeah you know there there was nothing for me to do there even if i were dming that wouldn't be considered something to stop a scene over correct because no one's no one's going to immediately die if a naked magic wand is used you know so it's like i'm i'm just not gonna watch it and i'm not into it so i'm not gonna watch it and i i really would encourage people to grab onto that idea rather than being like i'm so disgusted i can't turn away like yes you can you can just leave (laughs) it's true a lot of times you can just leave sometimes it's not even that the thing is disgusting i just don't like the way they're doing it i've seen people do exactly impact scenes and i'm like ooh, that did not look right but i'm not in mm-hmm. charge and they're not hitting their kidneys so i'm just gonna leave because right. <laughs> i don't want to witness whatever the fuck's about to happen <laughs> you know you don't have to be a witness to destruction you can leave also the other thing i wanted to talk about was the fact that we have all of these folks out here, these voyeurs, these exhibitionists, they're looking for each other. I think online has made us really comfortable with the idea of just um, sharing our nude pictures and getting people to watch and things like that. But we should also be mindful of when you are an exhibitionist, there's that risk, right? And so that is the fun part. Some people, the fun part is the risk. But also the reality is if you're exposing yourself online, there's a potential for you to be exposed in other ways. Because unfortunately, in this sex negative culture, if someone sees your titties on the Internet, the wrong person, it could affect your job. It could affect Mm -hmm. lots of different things. So I love a good exhibitionist, too. But something I, I like to remind folks is that you can have the fantasy of it without necessarily doing the actual thing, too. Right. Or like, and also you can take precautions to lock down your stuff as much as possible, um, which is, you know, a little bit trickier to make new friends that way. But and you're going to obviously have less people looking at you doing your cute kink thing, but it is a little safer. Um yeah. I was just thinking about there's that Twitter group. I can't remember their name, but there's literally a group of Twitter users that intentionally dox adult babies because they think they're doing something criminal Mm -hmm. and they're not. They're just existing in diapers and they will dox these people and like send photographs to like their families, their jobs, all this crazy shit. And it's like 
people have too much time on their hands and not good intent. So be careful on the internet. Be stay safe out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Some of the exhibitionist folks, they kind of do it like one-on-one where they're like, oh, I send dirty pictures to somebody and they could expose me. And they have these all like fun games they play. And I would just mm-hmm. tell you to be careful with that. If you're going to send someone like physical pictures, proof of anything, videos, you should watermark it. So you know, if it gets out there, who the person that, you know got it out there was um it's just it's just really easy like I know when I had my multiple tricks um I would send them the same picture but slightly different and Mm -hmm. I had like a little thing in there somewhere so I'm like okay he got that one she got that one so that way if it ever came up I wasn't going to be ashamed me personally but I still wanted to know who I can't trust anymore you know like well and not only that but if you have a way to track it if you end up going to some sort of civil court you have a way to track it Absolutely. So and like, I only sent this picture with this object in it to this individual. Therefore, they're liable for all this shit. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it makes it a lot easier. Unfortunately, there are folks out there who are doxing their exes and stuff. There's told there's whole groups for that. Like I dated this person and now I have all their nudes. What do I, you know, they're selling them and all kinds of stuff. It's crazy. It's really fucking awful. So I, I love being naked. I'm naked on the internet. It probably wouldn't take that long to find my pictures. Just, just saying. So I'm not trying to judge nobody for doing none of the shit. But I'm also the kind of person that I'm comfortable with whatever happens. Like when I got my job recently, they were like, I Googled you. And I said, hey, what did you find? Because I want to know what you're referencing, but I don't have a shame about it or I'm not hiding it because I personally can handle the consequences. But not everybody can handle the consequences of that. Like if Mm -hmm. you have a A lot of people are in positions where they can't have those kind of consequences. Absolutely. So no face, no case, no, no tattoos. If you can avoid it, Um, you know, there's ways to be an exhibitionist and keep your anonymity as well. And that's why I'm saying it like this. So Um, there's also um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the kind of exhibitionist that is almost kind of become a kink influencer because there's a lot of those folks out there right now. And some of them are lifestyle kinksters that have cool pictures up and people are really into it. And some of these people don't know what the fuck they're doing. They just have really neat pictures up, but they don't know what the fuck they're doing. And they haven't been doing kink for more than like six months that it took them to put this Instagram together or whatever. So I want to caution folks about learning kink on the internet. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of kinks that you can't learn on the internet at all. And there's a lot of kinks you can't learn fully and well on the internet. Correct. Yes, you can watch a YouTube video about rope tying and start learning the basics. But in real life, you need to get out there and learn about like safety, tension. Rope has a feel to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to agree with that. Absolutely. So kink influencers are super hot, you know. And it's a great way to be a voyeur, right? Like you can look at the sexy things they're doing and be like, wow, that person's so fucking fine. If I'm ever in their city, holy shit. But you shouldn't think of them necessarily as educators unless they're physically offering a class offline. Does that make sense? Or even if they're offering a class online, but it's a specific class. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a space on Zoom where they're teaching a thing. It's not just like... I've looked at pictures of you suspending people. So I'm pretty sure I've got it down based on your videos. Like, no, you do not. <laughs> you yeah, need to I'll, take I'll be, I'm going to be, I'm going to go as far as to say, I don't think you can really learn um, anything beyond 101 on the internet. And even that's going to be a shaky foundation. And even that's shaky foundation. I would say even for rope, I would trust more like some boy scout tying videos. Literally. Yep. 
ship's knots. I literally the, learned my my rope from a book on ship's knots. I, if Those I wanted be to learn more rope, secure. honest to God, y'all, if I wanted to learn rope, I would literally just go get some sailors ship knot boats before yep. I would pay for anyone's rope class. And there's very few exceptions. Like there's a few people, like if Midori's in town, well, no, or I mean, like, but you know, I, yes. but even like going to a rope class in person, I think is better than the YouTube and the yes. Instagram videos where it's like, I'm showing you a tie on Instagram. It's like, you're showing me one angle of a tie. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's a very different thing. And there are certain kinks that I just don't think you should learn online at all. And here I'm talking I about agree. anything that breaks the skin, blood, needles, scalpels, hundred percent. anything that breaks the skin is medical play and you should only learn medical play in person and over a long period of time correct i did not go to one class before i started doing blood play i didn't go to three classes i went to many many classes and i still continue to take classes and and do mentorships about things that i don't feel super secure on so i wouldn't watch a youtube video on venipuncture and think i know how to tap a vein Anything with medical play, anything with electricity, anything yes. with, with knives, anything um, mental. Even like- impact play. Like I've seen some dangerous shit online. Absolutely. Like, I've seen, um, I might've brought this up before, but it's one of the things that irks me to this day. And and if I had my way and it was a more sex positive world, this would be added to that list of microaggressions that black people have to deal with, like band-aids being the wrong color. Mm-hmm. There was this fucking chart. I've seen two fucking charts. One was a chart about choking and mm. one was a chart about impact. And yep. both of these charts had a picture of a white person and was telling you what to look for based on colors the skin was turning. Yeah, which is not how you determine that at all. Like, it's, first that of all not be... even, it's first of all not even safe for white people. But mm. for me, if you're waiting for my, my cheeks to turn a certain color and you're choking me, I'm going to die. Yeah, right? literally, like if you're waiting for my body to bruise a certain shade and you're hitting me, you've hit me way too hard. You hit way too hard. And if you are waiting more than a few seconds for a reaction for choking, you're going to kill somebody. Literally, There's a bunch of different ways that you can look. First of all, there's a bunch of different safer choking methods you can learn. Correct. Second of all, there's a bunch of different safety concerns you can learn to look for. Correct. All of these are best taught in person and in certainly person. not on the internet. And we will not, I will not, not even attempt to describe no. it. I will not even, because no. anyone could hear it and think they know by me discussing it, but you need to yeah. see it. You need to feel it. You need to know. You need to be with a mentor that's like Correct. a teacher or mentor that's actually showing you how to do it properly. Um, so that's one of them. Pressure points is another one. I've watched people. I know people that have watched weird martial arts videos and think they know how to do pressure points. That's like, stop. You know, there's a lot of things online that were not meant for kinksters, but you can watch those videos. And there are even videos that kinksters have made but they're not going to give you the same picture as getting offline and learning the thing, meeting a mentor and learning the thing, going to a and sex worker it. and learning the thing. You can absolutely book time with sex workers to teach you how to do things specifically. And they will do that for you absolutely. in most cases. It's so, like, it's like sword swallowing, swallowing. It's like, that's a specific skill y'all. And you see somebody sword swallow online and then they give you a step-by-step instruction. That's the stupidest shit I ever heard. Like, and right, some you're of, not going to, you should not do that. You should not do that. And some of these kids, things that people are doing online casually are like 30 level 301 level classes that you're just watching them do a 30 second clip you don't know that that rope took two hours to do or you don't know the mm-hmm. setup you don't know how many tests they had to do before they could do that blood scene exactly like, you, you don't, don't know, know how much they lapped involved. it you don't know how many times they had to stop the scene something weird happened you don't know what the aftercare was like 
what the prep was like. I was, you I'll know say I mean? this like, also for kink because there's so many like sex workers and like people who do this professionally. You see someone do something, it's like you just played a game with Michael Jordan. Like everybody's not Michael Jordan. That bitch is special, okay? Like exactly. everybody can't do what everybody does. Period. Right, and also like there is a certain amount of I am showing you my skills so that you'll book me with a sex worker, which makes sense because that is how they make money. Right. So you're not going to see a clip from start to finish that has all of the prep, all of the, th- you know what I'm saying? Cause that's, it's yeah. like pornography. They cut out all the stuff that isn't sexy. Cause that's not what sells that it's not meant to be educational. It's meant to be entertaining and titillating, but not necessarily educational. And I think there's a weird disconnect where people feel like they're learning stuff from things mm-hmm. that are meant to be entertaining, which is a different thing. And that's the thing um, too. A lot of the porn um, ties don't even be tied all the way. They just have that shit wrapped around twice and the thing too is that a lot of the things we see performed in porn are it's like it's like set dressing it's like props you know like that thing is about <laughs> the most fun thing i ever learned about porn that's widely done mm-hmm. i'm not going to say the most fun thing ever because there's so much fun things with porn that you don't see behind the scenes it's sure. hysterical but my favorite fact about porn is j-lube are you familiar with j-lube mm-hmm so for those of you who are not familiar with J-Lube, it is a powder and you mix it with water and it turns into a super slick lube that does not dry up ever. Yep. And people love it for anal scenes mm-hmm. because it just stays put and it stays in there. But you've never once in your life seen a porn actor mixing J-Lube and then nope. inserting it with a lube shooter into their asshole. Nope. You've never fucking seen it. It just looks like with one mouthful of spit, suddenly the largest dick in the world is able to go into someone's asshole. Yeah. And I'm telling you that is not the case. I'm telling you their asshole is full of J-Lube. And yeah. they've also probably done some prep beforehand. And it they're is. also probably on poppers. Yeah. And you didn't see any of that. You didn't see any of that because that's not the sexy fantasy of I can bend over and take it in the bathroom at random. Yeah. Right. But like, that's like when I found out about J Lube, I was like, obviously, of course, there has to be lube there in there. There has to be. There has, there to, has be to be lube in there. There has. You know to what be. I mean? And the, and they love it because it stays put. It doesn't run out. It doesn't look like there's lube in there, but there's definitely lube in there. Yeah. So these are the things that I'm trying to tell you all. Like, yes, you can absolutely watch the hot, sexy kinkster do the hot, sexy thing, but please do not think you're seeing the whole scene. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the times it's it's a prop. A lot of times online, and I, I I'm getting better at being able to tell now. But honestly, now that folks can like Photoshop their shit really easy, like mm-hmm. people Photoshop some of that shit too. And everyone's thinking, how oh, long do you doing... think it's gonna be before AI starts coming for our gig? Mm-hmm. It's how true. long do you think it's gonna be before AI just starts making up shit that's not even physically fucking possible? It's true. It really and is true. It's gonna become a point where like kinksters that have been doing it forever i'm like i'm pretty sure that tie doesn't exist for a reason yeah i'm pretty sure you can't open up a vein using a kitchen knife like that safely you know what i mean like you're gonna start seeing weird shit because of course like for better or for worse the porn industry leads the way in technology for a number of reasons Mm -hmm. money is the the reason is money because money um and of course they're gonna start using ai for all the dangerous and illegal shit that they're not allowed to do now yeah it's true so you're going to start seeing AI of like extremely illegal porn because there are no humans in it. So it's not technically illegal. But unfortunately, porn a lot of times inspires people to awful ideas. Exactly. Exactly. It's going to inspire people to think things are possible that are not possible. You know, like 
I, for example, great example, all of the Batman comics at one point or another in all of the Batman comics or cartoons, Batman or Robin or both are being suspended just by a double column on their wrists from some sort of high place. And yeah. all of their body weight is on their wrists. That would hurt you very badly in real very life. Badly. You would not recover from that. Both your shoulders would come out. Your wrists would snap. It would be a bad scene. Absolutely. And nobody, nobody that likes rope and knows anything about rope past the one-on-one level would even remotely think that was a thing that you could do. But yeah. if you've only watched cake things from a Batman perspective, you're going to be fantasizing about this impossible rope thing. And if you don't then go to the cakesters and learn the rope, you're going to rig someone up like that and they're going to be badly hurt. Yeah, or even just the idea that you can be in rope for hours and hours, hour, like you right. can just be held like that, like that's not or hanging. a thing. Hanging. Like that's not a thing. It's yeah. Not a thing. So again, it's one of those things where like I would caution folks to definitely get offline if you can. Um, go to actual classes online that are specifically classes if you can. If you can't get offline, or if you live too far away to get offline. Um, because it's just really important to actually learn kink from another person. It really is. Yeah, it's really you know? it's really interesting to remind myself that when we talk about kink, when we talk about sex, yes, you can do it for hours and hours sometimes. But if we're really honest, we're really honest. What is it like an hour? I'm not including the setup and the cleanup. You know, like we're, how much time do you really take for some of these things? It's a lot of preparing and fantasy mm -hmm. and flirting. But the actual thing is yeah. not that long. So, you know, we, we stretch the moment in our minds. We remember it forever, but we just got to remember like these snapshots we see on online is literally 20 minutes of everything. Right. And also like the human body can only take so much. Right. So like 20 minutes is the appropriate amount of time for a lot of people. An hour is an appropriate amount of time for a lot of people, depending right. on what you're doing. Um, obviously there are some kinks that you can do for longer, but like a lot of them that are very physical, you probably shouldn't be doing them for longer than an hour or two. Yeah. Your body's not going to hold up and that's normal. So yeah, again, and that's the other thing. A lot of um, folks that only look at the kind of quote unquote kink influencer will see like five images and a short video from a very long scene and they'll mm. see like the peak of the scene. Yes. Yes. Right? Like they'll see the, the pinnacle money of the scene. Mm -hmm. Literally yeah. that. Like the kink version of the money shot. They'll see the girl covered in blood. They'll see the girl in rope on the floor of the shower covered in blood. They'll see the girl crying. They'll see the girl, you know, whatever. But they yeah. won't see that it took like 30 minutes to work her up to the first cut. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they won't see that it took a while to talk through what they wanted to do blah 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 like they don't see any of the like leading up to it and that part's actually really important and it's hot <laughs> also just, that's part of the hot. dance yeah when it's done properly it's super hot but it's also yeah. something you really can't skip and so like people that are learning like kink from kink influencers there's a lot of ways it can go wrong I've also seen like kink infographics that are just super wrong they're just yeah. straight up incorrect yeah. like physically incorrect or like they're teaching a concept that's not quite right. You know what I mean? Or and it, you and know it's I mean? hard to correct a graphic, you know? So everyone just sees it and assumes. Mm -hmm. Everyone yeah. just keeps passing it along and yeah. passing it along. Um, Remember so when everyone it's... was talking about submission was a gift and that was like the sort oh, of the meme. Submission's a gift, a gift that you give. And everyone kept being like, obviously it's a gift. They would like reference it. Books would talk about it. Mm -hmm. and, and I think somebody finally was like, actually, no, when I get a gift, 
I can put that shit down. I can return it for money. Like that's not a gift, you know. Like yeah, <laughs> that's not it's how not gifts gift. work. It's you an know, exchange. It's, it's not a relationship. A yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and so, it also um the other uh, was also it was taught for the longest time that all the submissive had all the power. Yeah, yeah. Which doesn't make any sense when that's you think about it at all. It's not true. It's again an exchange. So yeah, there's been a lot of really wrong stuff taught on the internet for the longest time. The infographics are just like new since Tumblr and um, Instagram started up, but they've there've been wrong things taught on the internet for a long time. Yes, absolutely. And like I said, those those two graphics that had to do with choking and impact play, I was imme- like immediately no, I was mad immediately. Yeah. Um, it was just badly done. It was not correct from an anatomy standpoint. It was terribly racist and definitely dangerous for people of color. Um, it's just not how you learn how to safely hurt people. It's not what you do. So whether think- it's an infographic based on something physical or whether it's an infographic based on something more esoteric like DS or whatever. I was just about I- to say our infographics earlier were like those weird DS charts that are like, this is the mm-hmm. way to be a submissive. You must kneel down and do these positions. Like that was our like if you're not doing it the way the graphic is, you're probably doing it wrong. Bullshit. And then it, sh- and of course, those were all super ableist, right? Because like their yes. very first thing was like, you should always kneel and not have panties on and whatever when daddy comes home. And it's like some people can't fucking kneel. Right. Um, some people don't want to be pantyless ass to the breeze. You know all the things. Um, it was it, there was always a lot. It was always also super heterosexual, which is another thing that was really annoying. Um, and then it shifted a little bit in the Tumblr days to like, what can daddy and mommy do for you? Mm-hmm. Which was like the opposite end of that thing. Like it went from like how to be the perfect submissive to like all the laundry list of expectations you should have from this dominant you haven't met yet, which is also not great. So like mm. take these things with a grain of salt. If you're seeing these infographics that have any sort of a list on how to do this thing. Um, the first thing you should ask is what the source is. Mm. Who wrote this? Like, who wrote this like are you getting 10 great sex tips from dr carol queen from the center for sex and culture are you getting 10 great sex tips from shirley 5000 on instagram and who is shirley and what are her credentials right is this <laughs> is this list being written by the institute of domly doms who think submissives are women and weak or is this, mm-hmm. you know, like there's all these little groups and things that are trying to teach you what you need to do. Like, what's the purpose of this, really? Like, right. And it's, what is it's it kind of like, also like infographics and memes are like five seconds apart from each other. So is right. this sounding like a meme to you? Because maybe it was not even meant to be serious. Yeah, that's another thing. You don't have to take the meme seriously, y'all. We're just, it's just You jokes. really do not. Like the top and bottom memes, it's a joke, y'all. It's not actual yeah. life directions. Right. And but the thing is, there are a lot of infographics that make themselves out to be life directions. And Mm -hmm. it's like, again, what what is the source? Who wrote this? And for what reason? What kind of research and experience did they put into this little infographic they've decided to put online? And if you can't answer those in a satisfactory way, then maybe it's not the best source. Yeah, Maybe and not the best source. We should also get into the kink influencers who were the sex educators now, who were like because they have a profile and they have a bunch and they're hot and they have a bunch of pictures. Now they're like, oh, I teach sex ed too, and right, it's a different thing. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. So sex ed and kink are two. They're they're neighbors. Sure. But they are not in the same family necessarily, because right. first of all, you can absolutely do kink and never have sex with anyone. I know many sure. people that are like this and you can obviously 
based on the vanilla world, have lots of sex and never do kink with anyone. So these two things are not actually the same. Um, And sex education is, it just is biological. There is actual medical data that you have to know. Right. Like, and it's a different set of medical data than someone that's doing kink stuff. Correct. You can know all about tension points with rope and absolutely nothing about the inside of a vagina. Correct. Yes. <laughs> they, they, they don't which is why which is why Master Greg thought it was appropriate to ram that naked magic wand into somebody's cooch. God only knows what kind of infection. Anyway, sorry, I'm still triggered. And that's um, the <laughs> difference between kink and sex education. Absolutely. That's why I had to walk away because yeah. I, as a trained sex educator, I was like, no, and I just was like, goodbye. I can't yeah. look at this. So, you know, it's a different thing. It's a skill set. You actually can be trained to be a sex educator. And I was just about to say that. that. You've been trained. I've been trained. Like, people who are actual educators should be able to tell you where they got this from. And it's not just because Mm -hmm. they've been doing weird stuff to their bodies for the last 10 years. Like, Like, I Like, yes, that's great. It's great anecdotal experience. Yes. However. However. Tell me about kegels. Tell me about your pelvic floor. I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait while you explain the pelvic floor mus- muscular structure to me. I'll wait. I'll Absolutely. wait while you explain to me that, you know, genitals are basically all the same tissue. I'll wait. Absolutely. I need you to draw me what a clitoris looks like inside and out. I want to see the little, you know, uh, wish wishbone shape. I need you to show I me. I want you to talk to me about pH and soap. Correct. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And that's the thing, too. I think a lot of times with kink, folks can be a kink educator about a one specific thing that they do. Mm -hmm. But they're they're putting themselves out there as if they're an educator about the entire community. Exactly. Exactly. That's the other thing, too. Like kinks are all different as well. So just like you're not automatically a sex educator if you do kink, you're not automatically an educator for all the kink things. Yeah. Like I always tell people to this day, if you want a rope top, I will outsource you to someone I I am not the one, baby. I am not going to be able to teach you much. And what I am going to teach you is going to be on shaky ground. So you know what? I'm just going to find someone that knows what the fuck they're doing. And that is important. That is very, very important. And yeah, I'm at the point in my life where if I wanted to learn a kink, I would have. If I wanted to learn rope and electricity by now, I would have learned it. They're not my kinks. But especially if you're newer, I see a lot of people that are just new and very attractive. And they're maybe good at one thing. They've gotten Mm -hmm. very, very good at, you know, single kills. Impact and rope, rope, whatever. You know, or they're very good boot black, um, but they shouldn't be teaching, you know, needles that doesn't make any sense you know what i'm saying so like (laughs) or people that are like i've been a needle bottom for three years i'm like okay but you're teaching needles do you know how to top do you know about the safety precautions how active are you in these needle scenes that you feel like you know how to teach needles not to say that bottoms can't teach needles but have you been to other needle classes to learn all the safety stuff yeah you still need to know the procedure even just because you've done it a bunch of times does not necessarily mean you know how to to drive the car so to speak exactly you should you should have practiced some needles on some people topping just for educational purposes even if you're a bottom for needles so So, i I guess the main thing we're mentioning is that a lot of these these roles kind of bleed into each other but there are still distinctions and you don't have to jump to the next level you don't have to be an educator you don't have to be a sex worker you don't have to be anything you can just be doing things for yourself and i personally appreciate folks who know their lane and stay in it if you're not the best person at x y and z if you're not a good teacher also you could be good at that skill and not be worth a damn teaching someone else that skill. 
So I think more of us need to just acknowledge everybody isn't a teacher. Everybody isn't a performer. I have been to some classes where I'm like, what the fuck is going on in this class? Because it's like missing the safety or it's like being taught in a way that isn't connecting with everybody. Not everyone's a fucking teacher and that's okay. Teacher. And that, that is, is a okay. Yeah. And that does mean when you get a good teacher, when you get someone who's recommended highly, who has good information, you take the time to learn from them, ask good questions, get resources, pay them for their time. You know, that's worth it. That's why we should be paying the performers and the teachers and the sex workers because they do have a skill set that we admire. We want to be a part Hello. of. Hello. Not everyone's a good performer either. Holy yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. The people I know that are performers are really good at it. Mm-hmm. And not everyone is that. Yeah. Not everyone is that. Like I, yeah, no, and it's an energy. You can tell when someone wants to be up there performing and wants yeah. everyone to look at their like cool a, shit. Like a good stripper or a good burlesque yes. dancer or someone who can just like grab your attention, make you want to give them your attention and your money. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. Like that is a skill y'all. And we got to appreciate it. Yeah. Or even like I said, the kinksters that perform know the angles by which the audience will get the best view of whatever it is they're doing and have worked that into their situation. They're not just up there having a scene that you can kind of see around if you look at the right angle. They've prepared this for stage. So, you know, we love our performers because that gives us cool stuff to look at at places like Folsom and Imsel and all the places where you can do kink performance. We love that. but not everyone has to be a performer. I'm not a performer. I'm a teacher, but I'm not a performer. Um, um, My girl and I taught a knife class in March and it was amazing. Um, And after the demos that we did, people asked us to perform knives, which had never occurred to me. Um, And they basically just wanted us to do the demo from the class, but like just the demo without the class. And we thought about it and I was like, you know, I don't want to do that. Like I'm Mm. not a performer. I'm a teacher. I don't just want to get up there and do a sexy scene for everyone to watch without giving them any safety information. Like I'm a nerd and I'm a teacher. Um, But again, there are performers who do absolutely just that. And that's the difference, right? Like not everyone's a performer. I'm not a performer. And I I really had to think about it because several people asked us to to perform knives at their kink things. And we were like, you know what? I don't think we want to do that. Um, Because IML weekend, of course, that's when Chicago has all the leather things. Mm -hmm. And there were multiple things that wanted us to do a knife demo like not the class part of the demo yeah (laughs) yeah we were like no like I don't I just because again like after our demo I got so into it that I forgot people were there for a second and I was was like oh right I'm still shooting a class (laughs) so like the thought of just like doing that I don't know it's just it's not the right energy for me but again I know so many performers I'm literally going to the rope stage at Folsom to see one of my friends perform because they're so excited and you know I have other friends that I am barely going to get to see because they're performing all over San Francisco doing cool circus stuff and rope stuff and kink stuff left right and Sunday all weekend long so there are performers out there like really cool friend of mine does like both um house topping prodom performances and also like is an axe grinder yeah yeah Mm -hmm. chainsaw grinder so like grinder girl performing like so there are performers in my life and that is a different energy to me I love those people so much and I'm a happy audience member absolutely (laughs) I'll give you my Um, dollar all of it I love it exactly but I don't really perform anymore and like when I did perform it was like burlesque and that was it I really never performed like straight up kink and to me it's just a separation of my brain but again to someone that loves to perform it's perfect for them it's like 
Folsom weekend is like set up for these folks and they're in their element and it's great. So, you know, I I was more of a performer at one point. And I think for me, one thing I've noticed was just like the bad voyeurs made it not as fun because I Mm -hmm. felt like there was a point where people were like, okay, you're doing that now do this. Like they wanted to, wanted to, it's like, there's no fucking orders here. This is not Chipotle. You don't tell me what the fuck you want in your bowl. Like, <laughs> so that's or it's not, it's not even that. It was just like the stranger energy. I don't know. It's just, it's a different, it's a different thing. Yeah. And like, so there's, there's a bar night in Chicago that I love. It's a leather dyke bar night. And there's a stage in this bar because mm-hmm. we are lucky enough to share our um, bar night with the drag uh, performance space. And so it's not the big stage. We have a little stage. And so like sometimes there's like not enough room to play and the stage is really your best option. But you Mm kind of know when you get up there, like you are now stage lit and everyone can definitely see you the whole time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I play with an exhibitionist, they're like, yes, this is my dream. Let's do this. Take off all my clothes. But when I'm like (laughs) up there, I'm kind of like trying to turn around and look at the back of the stage because that's not me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're like, okay. Like, I'm so glad you're living your best life right now, but, like, I'm just going to, like, not pay attention to all these people that are behind me. (laughs) But you know what's so funny? I I think I would love that because then I can be, like, a host. Like, I'm not the performer. I'm the host as the top. So Mm, I'm definitely... I've definitely enjoyed that because I like being a facilitator to exhibitionists. Mm-hmm. Like I will make a space for you to be the best whore you ever been. Like I will <laughs> find if you need a stage, the world is our stage. Like we can make that happen, you know? So I like that part. And yeah. then there is a part of performing in the sense that I'm, I'm mostly performing for them, my partner, because yes. I'm making the space and then if mm-hmm. there's an audience as the host I may have to interact with the audience if, if it only to be like shut the fuck up don't heckle you know but I can still right you know so that's how I kind of think about it is I'm not necessarily a performer with them if I'm dealing with the exhibitionists I am just facilitating the, the experience yes yeah yeah absolutely yeah. Um, and I've, I've done more exhibition-y scenes like that are you know gangbangs things like that I mean and I assume at play parties someone is probably watching my scene like that's a reasonable expectation um but I never quite know like who was watching my scene till afterward and someone's like oh that was blah 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 and I was like oh you were there okay cool like that's not my that's not my focus but I know exhibitionists that's totally their focus they're like yeah so many people are watching me this is my favorite yeah so I love that there are spaces where there are there are places that you can do that. That's why public play is so great because you get yeah. to be that exhibitionist. You get to be the center of attention when you're playing and know that everyone's seeing you naked, get whatever happened to you. So it's it's really fun. And I, I love that for them, honestly. I um, love facilitating that for them too. Like specifically when yes. it's all said and done, it's like, did I did, did I did good? And who was yes. there? And I get to be like, everyone was there. Everyone saw you. Everyone, everyone, you know, everyone was watching <laughs> you. Like yeah, so exactly. many people. Like, I love that. I'll even like lie a little bit. I'll be like, oh yeah, there was definitely like 80 people. Just all of them <laughs> staring yeah. at your butthole the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah, love an exaggerated like experience yep. too. So yeah, that's now, that part I do love because I'm a sadist. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, literally everyone stopped playing and started whispering about the color of your asshole. You didn't hear that? Like so I just <laughs> one of my one of my favorite things ever is a shy exhibitionist. That yes. is my wheelhouse. Like yes. someone that definitely does want everyone to be looking at their butthole, but like is embarrassed about that. 
I that is when that is my time to fucking shine. At that point, I will turn into a carnival barker and I'll be like, come look at the asshole. It's on display. <laughs> Step right up and peer into the butthole. <laughs> see, Just because I'm... it's making my bottom blush and that's what's getting me off. <laughs> I know. And see, at that point, I am the perfect voyeur because I'll be like, I'm right here and I got my nickel. I'm ready to look at it. <laughs> Sitting there with a magnifying glass, like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, those are, I, I think, I think that's the power of a good voyeur. We talked about the power of a bad voyeur, but the power of a good voyeur is like when someone is having the time of their life and you're in the audience cheering for them, when you mm-hmm. get to be like, yay, you're doing great. You're such a slut. Everyone exactly. here loves you. Like and they're like dissolving into like a flaming hot pile of embarrassment ash, but they're like secretly the happiest they've ever been. Like, yeah, that's fun. That's absolutely. my favorite. Absolutely. That's when I do love an exhibitionist right there. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And I will say being a voyeur is one of my favorite things when I get to specifically like know how I'm allowed to engage. Like if you give me a task, it's like, okay, Jackie, you have to haze them or okay, Jackie, we're calling them a slut or okay, Jackie, we're going to tell them we're proud of them. Like give me right. a job to do as the audience participation. I will rock that shit. Like I love it. If it's like humiliation, if it's like affirmation, I really don't care. I just know how it felt when I was the bottom. And then some enthusiastic person was like, go Jackie, go. Like (laughs) (laughs) that shit like revitalized me. Like my pussy just was like, like we could do it again. Like we can keep going. It's true. I'm like fucking Mario with my power up. I'm like, I can keep going. And so I just love seeing that when you're someone is like, being completely slutted out and then they just get that extra mm-hmm. life and they're like i'm gonna turn into i don't even know super saiyan or something oh mm-hmm. my favorite so yeah, yeah that's the power of a good voice. super saiyan that's really my favorite i know it's just like oh and they turn favorite favorite and, yeah. favorite you start yeah. seeing the other side of them yeah that blonde yeah side. yeah <laughs> hundred percent it's magical that's one of the reasons i really love like um like gay men porn because sometimes when the bottoms get totally like glazed over like i feel Mm -hmm. like you see it a lot in gay men porn where they just have like completely gone to their slut place Mm -hmm. like i'm not even here let's go and i I see it a lot at queer orgies as well i do want to say voyeurism in queer orgies is a little different Mm. um Obviously, at an orgy, people are all up in each other's business, so you really can actually ask at a queer orgy if you can join people. Be very direct and very specific and wait for a yes, but if it's an orgy situation, not a play party situation, you absolutely can go over to the people they're fucking and be like, hey, you guys are hot, can I join you? And maybe it's a no, maybe it's a yes, but that's a different setup than a play party. It's a setup where everyone is crawling all over each other. So that's a yeah. Different. A lot of times in the orgy, that might be one of the only places where you could like literally watch and masturbate because mm-hmm. it's like everyone here is doing something sexy. And if you don't have a person to do something sexy with, you can just like fuck yourself and be in the room. Exactly. So if yep. you want to be the voyeur to just like wank one and watch, you want to go to an orgy place and not a kink place. And usually the orgy will have rules about masturbation if they don't want it. They'll tell you. So if they haven't told you up front, then it's fine. Usually they will tell you you can't just walk around wanking. Or if you can, or there's there's no rule, then it's fine. So, you know, queer orgies, I haven't run into one that cares whether someone's masturbating or not. Um, 
hat pan orgies. The hats do a little, a little bit. Sometimes they'll have like a place for solo wanking and then a place for right. play. But the solo wanking because, is like, usually nearby. It's like you can watch. Yeah. You can't be too, it's like a couch or something you can sit on. Exactly. You can't be too incredibly close because then at that point, even though if you've said like, no, you can't be in my scene, friend, then it feels like they're kind of in your scene. Yeah. Um, Queer orgies, though, I haven't noticed many people masturbating at all. I've noticed that people are direct and negotiate with each other, and everyone is usually hot, and they're like, yeah, let's do the thing. And by hot, I mean, like, all queers are hot intrinsically, so... Yeah. I feel like at the queer orgies, if you just started fucking yourself, somebody would be like, do you need a hand? And somebody right. would Or like, they would like cheer you on hand. and be into it. They'd be like really into it. They'd just be like, yeah. yes, hot. Let's go. Let's put that up in there. Like they'd be cheering you on. So it's a little bit of a different energy. You're not like a solo by yourself. I might be giving off creepy vibes. I might not kind of situation. It's it's different at the queer orgy. Hopefully, yeah. There there was um, definitely a circle jerk. Also, it was like everybody was jerking off by themselves, but in like around each other. And then it's like if you want a hand, you just reach your hand out and ask for a hand, and you can get a hand. Like you know, a queer circle jerk sounds amazing. And it was I'm pretty upset awesome. with myself that I've never done it before. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was pretty deeply great. upset actually. Yeah, you I'm should be gonna. I'm gonna part future party plans anyway Put that on the list so <laughs> exactly <laughs> so I think we talked about the only other thing I wanted to touch on about kink influencers which we talked about on another episode but I really want to bring back is that just because they have the nice pictures doesn't mean that they're good at the communication part of kink yeah, or the relationship part of kink or the being a sane, safe person part of kink. Absolutely. Just because they say they're a dominant and they have a lot of rope pictures, you can only see the rope in the pictures. You can't see the dominance in the pictures, just to be clear. You also, don't know you what can't kind of see whether those people are still talking to them. And that was the other point. That happens a lot on FetLife specifically, but I think mm -hmm. other places too where you'll take a picture with your partner at the time. It's great. Everybody consented, so it's fine. Y'all break up. You don't take your old pictures down. And now you get a new partner. Take pictures of them. Don't take those down. Now you have a bunch of photographs that look beautiful. None of them people talk to you. Some of them say there was consent violations even, but nobody talks about it. And now you have, you know, thousands of followers who love your art. Right. They don't That's know that thing. you're destroying relationships in the community. If all of these people are strictly on the internet, they would have no way of knowing that you're actually exactly. a fucking menace in your local community and everyone avoids you. Right. So I don't take my pictures down on FetLife, although I don't hang out on FetLife anymore. But right. I also am not trying to be an influencer. Like I turned off the follow feature immediately because I don't want strangers following me. Yeah. And I've got like 300 friends that I've collected over like a 10 year span. These are people I generally speaking actually know. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think like if you have, if you see an account with like 10,000 followers, a bunch of pictures, that could be the greatest person ever. It could be a person that's actually like super weird in real life it could be a person that's a straight-up criminal you have no idea they could be stealing pictures no, you may no want to see where these they, photos are coming from also. that's the other thing a number of my friends that are pro-doms have had their pictures just straight up stolen and catfish mm -hmm. accounts pop up mm -hmm. so you might not even be talking to the person whose pictures those are because there's yeah. like what it seems like twice or three times a month one of my friends one of the one of our previous podcast guests mistress and me has photographs just straight up stolen and the new mistress instagram will pop up and it's like who the fuck is this with my pictures yeah it's so, really common it's super common so again be aware 
that you're only looking at the curated side of someone, right? Like you're only looking at the part they want to show you. Nobody shows you their messy house. They clean the house before you come over, right? Hopefully. So hopefully. Um, there's been some times, but anyway. Um, but yeah, so realize that that when you're looking at someone's Instagram, someone's Twitter, someone's fat life, anything that's social media is a heavily edited version of themselves. Um and I think getting to know people in real life is the only way to get to know them, unfortunately. I think because you and I have so much real life experience with like people who've done this in real life, I'm not impressed automatically by how cool your pictures are. Even if I love your no, photos, not I at can, all. I can like every photo you have and still not be super impressed by what you've done. I could just say, oh, cool things, you know, cool picture. It doesn't automatically mm -hmm. mean this person must be an educator this person must be experienced i don't necessarily expert, exactly. assume that yeah. you know just you could have that one time in rope for all i know some people the only time they're in rope is the time they took that picture they're not doing it otherwise but they're projecting right. this idea that they have all this training or what have you you know well so, there are also like clients that will come to you with like twenty thousand dollars worth of bondage gear mm -hmm. so you take a picture of this individual in all this bondage gear that looks like you have this fully kitted out studio but actually yep. that's that clients they took it all home Absolutely. so you know it's it could be whatever and like obviously like we've been saying a lot of accounts that are people that are performers sex workers influencers it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors because that's the point yeah um, but just take it as that take it as like this is a very hot sexy account i'm enjoying it for it being a hot sexy account yeah and i love a sexy picture whether it's photoshopped or not i just don't think right. every picture i see is completely raw footage i don't know assume... it, it, it never is like i i i photoshop my like not not photoshop but like i put the like better lighting and whatever else color correction on my yeah. photos if I'm just like posting a picture of me going to the beach like it's everyone does this nowadays especially with filters you just hit the button and it's there absolutely so, you know you crop out the thing that you you know you got all this beautiful rope but you crop out the big ass knot that you didn't untie or whatever at the bottom of the page like there's yeah whatever ways. yeah absolutely so yeah I I think that like making sure people realize the difference between education and entertainment that's something the sex uh, sex education industry has been trying to do for quite some time because, mm. again, learning sex from porn, as Dr. Queen likes to say, is like learning how to drive from NASCAR. Yeah. Um, it's not a way to do it. Mm -mm. You don't start off at 90 miles an hour. It just is not how you do it with professionals all around you. Like, that's not how you do it. And also, so, like, even NASCAR guys don't do that all the fucking time there's a track and they do it at certain times when they're working you know like so the indy 500 was not their first race <laughs> yeah there's a process you know what right? i'm saying like you you do not start at indy so yeah. again if you think about it that way and think i am viewing a professional or i'm viewing someone that's been doing this for a long long time that's super cool i hope someday i can learn those skills is what you should be thinking yeah and i it's would say totally even... normal to be interested in something but don't think that because you've seen many pictures of it, you know much about it, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And I've met enough extreme people who do extreme things to know that extreme is not every day. It's not daily. Extreme no. is not every morning before I get breakfast. I hang myself by my balls, you know, like it's not every morning. I wake like up that. and slice somebody up. I go through <laughs> yeah. a lot of tarps, Jackie. 
I go through a lot of tarps and sometimes it's like really early and I have to like get to work. So it's like a really quick slicey slicey. But sometimes like I have a little more time on the weekend. Look, if you drained your girl's blood as much as you wanted to, that bitch will be dead. So you (laughs) have to take breaks. Literally have to. Literally have have to. to. She needs to eat a cookie and take a nap in between each time before you just drain (laughs) this hoe. Dexter can't do that every day to everybody. Dexter kills people. Yes. That's the thing. As much as I have Dexter fantasies, he actually is trying to kill people. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do the things he does without killing people because he's trying to kill people. Bad people to be sure, but like people, he's that's the point is the death. So like, Yeah. yeah. You know, I might play in Dexter, but I don't actually do the Dexter thing because I would like to keep my girl around. She's pretty cool. She's pretty cute. So, too. Yeah. yeah, that's the is. point. That's the point, though, y'all. Like, there is a method to this madness. Even the folks who are doing it professionally, there's levels to it. And you don't have to be on a 10 ever. And damn sure not every day. And when you see... And certainly these, not when you're starting. Certainly not when you're starting. And when you see these you know, seven, eight, nine, ten extreme things online, you really have to be able to put it in the frame of reference of, hey, they're sword swallowing. That's a cool trick, you know? It's a cool advanced level trick. I may mm-hmm. want to learn that one day. And if I really want to learn, then I guess I got to go to the circus or wherever the hell they learn sword swallowing from and go exactly. take some fucking classes. If I really, and I know people who learn sword swallowing and they had to go oh, yeah. to sword you swallowing. You can go to a circus. You can go to a circus gym and learn sword swallowing. Absolutely. Can, They'll teach you a, how to do it safely exactly. with something that's not sharp the first many times that you do it. It'll probably be like a balloon or some shit so that you don't hurt yourself because that is what happened. You start off slow. And if there was a sword swallowing infographic, y'all would rightly you should be no. horrified. You, and that's kind of how we see this shit are. all the time, exactly. all the time in kink. We see this exactly. shit all the time with an infographic telling you the most dangerous kink in the world can be learned in five easy steps. And you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> and the other thing that, that I think we should say is that um, I learned kink from, my, you know, going to these events, talking to instructors and personal friends and family and leather people and all of this. Right. And some mm-hmm. kinks you kind of have to know the person before you start teaching them that because if I'm going to teach you how to manipulate people for fun and profit, I need to look in your face first and make sure you're not a fucking psychopath. And maybe that's wrong to say, but I don't know. It's really like, that's legit. Like, I feel the same way about blood. If I'm Mm -hmm. going to teach you how to break the skin, I want to know what your motivations are. I want to know what your background is. Mm -hmm. I want to know a little bit about your mental health story. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be perfect, but I want to know about it. Like, there's a lot I want to know before we jump into some scalpels. Yeah, because some of y'all are scary. Some of well, and, some, and, and a lot of folks want to skip the basics. I've had yeah. folks that would like want to jump into scalpels and I'm like, have you done needles? And they're like, no, I'm like, we're starting with needles. And like, I want to learn scalpels. I'm like, I heard you, but yeah. we would want to start with some needles, you know? So like, it's, it's kind of like people try to skip these little steps, like the rope people that always want to jump straight to suspension. Yeah. And it's like, no, you can't do that. You have to learn a lot of things before you could do that. You don't just yeah. start at suspension. So it's it's that kind of thing where it's like you see someone that's put in a ton of work to learn their skill and because you're only seeing the snippets of it, you don't realize how much work it was. Whereas Honestly, if you started hanging out with the rope community, the blood community, the this community, that community, mm-hmm. you would start learning how much work has to go into these skills. 
I'm going to take it one step further and say I feel very similar about DS. Every time somebody says yes. I want to be a dom, I want to be a mistress or whatever, it's like I'm I don't know if I trust you being someone's um no question barred leader the way you're explaining it like you know their fantasy is always like total control or some shit it's like well and also like bottoms that have no skills at bottoming and yeah. being submissive that jump into these ts relationships as well we've gone over that a bunch of times yeah but yeah it's exactly that there there are also classes about ds there are classes Absolutely. about healthy ds there are classes about service and Absolutely. those classes you actually can take online yes that's, that's not what a i was physical... gonna say yeah, that's, that's yes. not a physical skill that's going to hurt somebody. So you actually, if you find a reputable teacher, keyword reputable, you absolutely can take DS classes online. You can read books about DS. Not that you can't read books about the other stuff too, but like it's a lot less brass tacks. Here is where your kidneys are, <laughs> you know? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I would argue that that's a, a really great way to build community is as teaching, learning those classes from uh, reputable teachers. Um, but mm -hmm. I would also challenge folks who say I want to be the dom or who say I want to be the submissive to really sit and think about why because even yes. if you want it sometimes it's not coming from the best place like if you exactly. want to be a dom because you have an uncontract your unchecked control freak status and you just want to be in charge of someone and manipulate someone and you really haven't considered where that's coming from if it's uh, unhealed trauma or whatever like that's really dangerous actually or same right. with submissives if you're just like oh yeah to take control because i'm i don't want to have that it's like baby you're I'm broken adult. i'm damaged i don't know how to adult all yeah. the things we've talked all about that. that a bunch yeah, of yeah, times yeah, yeah. but the same way from the other side of the slash as well like there are a lot of people that do not come from do to dominance from a healthy place true and it's like you have to be really healthy in yourself before you can manage someone else yeah again it doesn't have to be perfect but like some people don't even know where the flaws are yes they're so like I i'm say... perfect and great so i'm gonna be the best dominant and you're like mm -mm -mm, mm -mm. so for the kink influencers <laughs> who are giving you ds kink influencers are giving you ds i would say if they're um not individual people first that's a red flag, right? Like you shouldn't yep. have to be defined by your person. If y'all choose to do that later, just like married people may choose to be the Browns or whatever, you know, they can, you, you can do things later that you consent to, but first you should be able to be your whole own person. And so Absolutely. those skills of learning how to be your whole own person in DS, you can learn those through um like submissive round tables and dominant panels and like you can get a lot of that there's usually local it. groups for ds as well in most major cities there are ds yeah. groups and Absolutely. some of them are groups that divide it well, dominance one place submissives the other and that is super helpful because then you can't go to that group with your dominant or your submissive Absolutely. and you can be like is this normal or this happened how would you handle it and be able to hear from other people and get like actual real world feedback from people that understand instead of being isolated kind of i think when king relationships get really scary is when ds is isolated yeah absolutely you pretty because much you never have want a... that absolutely even the folks i know in long-term relationships usually have someone that's the same role as them so if you're submissive another mm -hmm. submissive another dom that you could you know get ideas from just to be able to say i can't tell if i'm doing things correctly or if i need more feedback like you right. should be able to that, that is what makes the leather community different from dateline nbc and lifetime movies Correct. like you have someone to go to and be like, is this supposed to be happening? Or this didn't make me feel great. How would you deal with this? You know what I mean? And it's like, you aren't just isolated, literally. 
Because yeah. if you've given all the power and control to one person and that person starts losing the plot or does things that are not okay, you just don't necessarily have a way to even know that that's happening to you. So, yeah. yeah. And the other way around as well, if you're being emotionally manipulated by a submissive, it happens all the time because dominants don't know it's even a possibility. And again, if you're isolated, you don't have someone to bounce feedback off of to be like, oh, hell no, I would never let someone talk to me like that or whatever. So, Yeah. You need to make community. You need to be friends, even online. But again, with reputable people that are doing this in real life, um, because that is the best feedback you can get for sure. Yeah, I, my best suggestion in terms of voyeurism and all of this kink influencing and performance and stuff is that you can appreciate the kink community online and appreciate the kink community offline as two separate yet connected things. They're yes, not the same. Exactly. They're not it's like the same. porn versus sex positivity, sex positive community. They're not quite the same, but they are neighbors. You will see porn stars at the sex positive parties. Absolutely. You will see cake influencers, pro doms and other sexy people from online at the play party, but they're not quite the same thing. And you're going to have to be able to tell the difference between fantasy and reality for all of these pictures you're seeing online, whether it's real AI, strictly porn, fantasy, you have to be able to differentiate. Because some folks are living in that gray area where even they can't fully tell, right? Like some people are so deep in their fantasy that they might talk about it as if it's real. So if you don't have some way to differentiate, some way to have discernment about what actually is happening. My best way of having discernment is most kinksters I know that are real people talk about other things occasionally Mm. right like even if it's not on their main instagram feed if it's just the stories you'll get a picture of their cat or you'll get told what they had for lunch today because it was really great or you'll get a picture of them meeting with one of their kinky friends or you'll get um maybe a community like passing along this flyer for an event you know what i mean you'll get like something that isn't 100 percent professional if you're not getting anything else and that is just their professional account and you should really make sure that you're kind of thinking of it as such mm, okay i could see that because a lot of sex workers do this to keep their lives compartmentalized their mistress so-and-so over here and they're like susan over here and you know susan's account is locked you don't even know you don't even know what susan's account is unless you know who susan is as a real person but you know mistress goddess you know starshine over here and that account has thirty thousand followers susan's account has 600 followers and is locked so if you're not seeing any indication that this is a rounded account with like normal people stuff Odds are it's just their professional account, which isn't a bad thing, but realize that you're just seeing their professional account. You're just seeing the work side of them. Absolutely. So you're seeing what they're advertising or or performing. Exactly. Exactly. This is the business account, basically. You know what I'm saying? This This is their version of LinkedIn, right? Like who has a LinkedIn and would be like mortified if their king friends found it because it's so fucking boring and stupid looking? Mm. They wouldn't necessarily be mortified if they, but like, this is the version of, this is the kinky LinkedIn. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) And a lot of folks do have more than one kink profile too, because like one kink that they're not necessarily as open about. So that's just mm-hmm. the feet profile, right? They're going to only talk about feet there. So if you meet them through that profile, it's going to be coming across mostly as about the fantasy of their feet or the feet that they like rather. But their other profile might have more well-rounded stuff because it's a little more public, you know? So you may meet people right. who have more than one um, thing. They've compartmentalized it. So it's it's okay yeah. if you compartmentalize it also. 
it's just oh, yeah. that's recognizing actually a really great thing to do if you have security concerns. Absolutely. But it's just like the people you interact with when you compartmentalize, they might just be focused on the kink part, right? Which is great. Mm -hmm. And if you want them to be involved in more about your life or whatever, you might have to introduce that a different way or slowly over time as you trust them. Right. Yeah. And like I said, there are plenty of profiles that are just hot kink stuff and that's great. Let yeah. that be fun. There's nothing and wrong with it, but you're not probably seeing like the same person that goes to Michael's to pick up acrylic paint for their kids' science right. uh, board. You know I what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I look at it like you see pretty cakes in the window at the bakery and some of them might be real and some of them might be fake because they're, they're delightful examples. to look at. Yeah, they're yeah. example cakes that you could get made. So some of them cakes are real and some of them cakes are fake. You wouldn't go into there and immediately think, I could eat anything in here. You might learn. Sometimes bakeries have marketing and they have a fake cake I'm gonna, I'm in gonna the window. I'm going to stop you for a minute here, Jackie. All of my cakes are real. Okay, well, forget it. <laughs> this took a turn. This feels like cake. a metaphor. I got cake to spare and it's all real. This feels like a metaphor. So, but you it's... get my point, right? Advertising, okay? Advertise <laughs> the internet is for porn, and most of that is advertising, okay? Ooh, so everything in... cue reference, my goodness. Mm -hmm. So everything in the window <laughs> may or may not be for sale, and it may or may not be real. And just know, don't start drooling about it until you learn whether or not that's actually available you know right and I'll, yeah and like i said it could be that it's available if you book a session it could be that it's just art and they just you know um one of my favorite phrases that's out and about right now is art look don't touch yes i like that and that is a lot of exhibitionists actually there are a lot of yes. fashion kink exhibitionists like fetishists that walk around in very sexy outfits but do not want to be touched and do not want to be physically interacted with they are literally walking art when they do that. Um, and that is some of their accounts as well. I follow a number of latex accounts and I would never dream of, of thinking we're friends. You know, <laughs> I, right. I think they look lovely in their latex, but like they've never told me anything else about their life. So I don't imagine that we have a connection other than we both like some latex, which is great. Yeah. You know, um, there are some accounts that they don't even show their face. They're always in a hood or something. So like, let that just be excited for what that is, but don't imagine you have a connection there or anything like that. Just enjoy their pictures the way that they're enjoying you looking at the pictures. They wouldn't put on all that latex and take photos if they didn't want you to look. Yeah, it's like a pen pal, you know, but you don't have to be a, a weird about it. Just enjoy right. getting letters in the form of exactly internet. Scrolling. It's a one way pen pal. You're like, you're really just hitting the like button or maybe like saying that outfit's great, but that's like it. You don't need to be yeah. in their DMs necessarily. Um, then there are places where like you look at that hot profile, you realize that person's a sex worker and in your area. So yes, you could email them and book them. You know, there are people that have like whole, like all the sides of their life. So like, if you follow me, God help you. Cause I don't, you never know if you're going to get Barbies, cakes or ass, like it could be anything. Um, <laughs> all of the above. Cause my, my stuff all lives in the same place. So Sorry if you don't like Disney. You're going to have to wait between the Disney and the King stuff. Um, so, yeah, you never know. A lot of my King friends are very political. So, like, if you don't want to watch their politics, then don't follow them because that's not going to that's not going to turn off. So all the things like that. I'm also sometimes political. You can get Barbie, Disney, titties or politics. Roll the dice. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so just kind of enjoy people's Instagrams and whatever else for what they are. Um 
if you can meet them in real life or if you have something in common with them that leads to a conversation, great. But if it's not feeling like they want to interact with you, that's also fine. Yeah, I think we're getting to the age where people are maybe less obsessed with um, like celebrities as they used to be. But sometimes that doesn't translate to like influencers, like somehow mm -hmm. influencers still, you know, you're watching their every move or whatever. And I just want to say, y'all, please don't ever put that on me. I'm going to make mistakes every day. I don't want to be worshipped and I'd much rather be infamous than an influencer. Oh, yeah. Okay. hundred percent. Like, I want to be the person that when I'm dying, people are still talking about me like she could be around still. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Could have faked She's... her own death. You never know. hundred percent. hundred percent. I'll believe it. I want a bone to see a body like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. That's what I want. I want to be infamous. So, so that means that I'm willing to be um, not popular. And I think a kink influencer to some degree, performer to some degree, there's a level of you want folks to appreciate and enjoy what you're putting out. But me personally, I just want to appreciate and enjoy it. And if y'all enjoy it too, that's great. And exactly. If you, That's exactly how I function. Yeah. Like if you get the vibe, then you're, you get the vibe, but I'm not adjusting it for the studio audience at all. Like that part of my kid right. journey has done. So long since. Yeah. So yeah, I think we've given people some good tips on how to be fun exhibitionists, how to be engaged warriors, how to um, be a little more discerning when it's on the internet and you don't know who and what you're looking at. Just enjoy it for what it is. Um, Again, I encourage you all to get off the internet if at all possible. Yeah. Um, I know COVID is once again COVIDing, but, you know, if you find some safe events to go to, to learn things and actually meet people, that's always going to be your best way. There's still some events happening on Zoom as well. Um, so try to make community happen. That's really the safest and also most enjoyable way to learn kink. Yeah, and I just want to say that majority of these kink events or groups online and offline just started when somebody who wasn't necessarily an expert decided to invite a bunch of people together. Like you don't have mm -hmm. to be an expert or a teacher or a sex worker or a performer to have an event with other kinky people. So if you really exactly. want that, just do that, make that happen. It sounds like a cop-out answer, but I swear, like you don't get places like the Eagle where people just show up, you know, unless people just show up everyone mm -hmm. not just the the cool kids or the sexy kids or the whatever kids it's everyone so i just really want folks to to start making their own events small ones and big ones right it doesn't you don't have to wait for some fancy influencer to do it for you yes absolutely not you can literally just say hey who wants to go to the park with me hey who wants to hang out in my backyard there's an awesome event in Chicago that takes place in someone's backyard so again you know it can it can be whatever you need it to be it doesn't have to be a massive massive event um, and you could make some great friends that way which is awesome so um, yeah once again encouraging y'all to go make friends be among other people that are kinky Go outside. Teach each other stuff. Go outside. Touch grass. Touch each other consensually. Uh, and yeah, I think that's about all I had to say on the subject. What about you? That's pretty much it, y'all. So I guess um, go do something kinky and have a great day. <laughs> Bye. Bye.